Warning. The following contains massive spoilers for the designated series. Listener discretion is advised. You are being watched. You're listening to the Television Archive. The show where we, the television-loving hordes of the internet, take a deep dive into what used to be in our beloved media. My name is Thomas Michael Clark, and this is Person of Interest. These people irrelevant. We don't. Hunted by the authorities. We work in secret. You'll never find us. But victim or perpetrator, if your number's up, we'll find you. Today we will be discussing Season 2, Episode 20, titled In Extremis. Holy shit. Holy shit, holy shit, holy shit, holy shit, holy shit. This episode, it's fantastic. It's really, really brilliant. It's a phenomenal episode of Person of Interest. It's so goddamn good in pretty much every possible way. It's amazing. So, we'll start off by... Talking about our new number. Uh, this big doctor guy who is like very prestigious, very celebrated, very successful. Uh, he's getting all these accolades, getting all this recognition. Until literally two seconds after Reese and Finch start watching this dude, start look being on the lookout for threats against him or threats. He's presenting to other people. Literally two seconds after they start their whole deal. This guy gets poisoned. This guy gets poisoned with... Polonium? Is it called? Yeah, that sounds right. Polonium. And by the time they figure this out, and by the time he figures this out, the doctor guy himself figures this out, it's too late. You have to get treated, apparently, in the first hour, or you're dead in 24. He is past the point of no return. He is going to die in 24 hours. And so, immediately, we have this phenomenal subversion of the person of interest formula. Like, and person of interest... We've talked about this many, 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 many times before. We'll talk about it many, 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 many times more. But they are really, really spectacular. At, and by the way, just a few years later, there's a show on CBS called Evil. They do a very similar thing, where they're very good at taking their own formula and just going, nope. <laughs> and just going nope week after week after week and they're constantly reinventing themselves they're constantly finding new ways to tell different stories in that world with their fillers again like i said evil on cbs conveniently enough also starring michael emerson uh it, they do a very very similar thing and it's why i've now really really grown to like that series as well uh, but Person of Interest, they just, it's one of the things that makes Person of Interest great, is that they can do all these fillers, they can do these 50 bajillion episodes per season, and it never feels like they're just telling the same story again. This is the prime example of that. This is, like, probably the pinnacle of that subversion, because literally, 
The entire point of this is they are trying to save lives. That is the whole point of the machine. That is the whole core behind the person of interest mythos. But now we have this case where it's just like, yeah, um, we were too late. You're definitely going to die. There's no way to stop that. But while you're not dead, want to go find the person who had you killed? Yay! We're going to team up with a dead man to find the person who murdered him. And, like, it, they handle that so well. They handle that in such a pitch-perfect way. It's amazing. In fact, uh, maybe the most heartbreaking part of this storyline. This dude has a daughter who he's not particularly close with, who he has a lot of problems with, who he's had a lot of back and forth with. There is a moment in this show where... This father, like, pulls his daughter aside and just has what he wants to look like an innocent conversation with her, knowing it's the last time he will ever see her. Knowing it is the last time he will ever see his daughter's face, and the last time his daughter will ever see his face. Like, knowing this, like, this is the last time they will see each other and be in the same place. Like, it is so... Utterly heartbreaking to watch this happen. And the daughter thinking this is a normal conversation. And of course, not being particularly close to her father. Just trying to be the typical, like, F you dad almost. Uh, But while the father is trying to be like, look, I made a lot of mistakes. I made a lot of bad decisions. I'm sorry. And just the daughter being like, what are you doing right now? And, like, the father knowing, like, I'm about to die, and you'll never see me again, and I'll never see you again. Like, oh, it just, it, it broke me. That moment broke me. It just shattered my heart in two. And it's so utterly brilliant. It's such a great moment that the writers handled it so perfectly and I wish I had the actors' names just ready to go, but I don't because I'm an idiot. I may or may not be <laughs> looking up this episode's IMDb page while I'm talking, while I'm just BSing to fill time. Uh, but it's an incredible, incredible moment. Uh, so Dennis Butsikaris played the doctor... And his daughter was played by, if I can find the actress's name. I'm having trouble navigating this IMDb page. Uh, Allison Scagliotti. Uh, so those two. Whose names I'm not even going to try to pronounce a second time. They did a spectacular job in that moment. Uh, The former is actually on Better Call Saul right now. He's a recurring character on Better Call Saul. And he's really, really good. Anyway, I digress. So we have John and this doctor guy just literally walking around trying to find out who killed him. Who poisoned him. And we find out that this man has ties to an investor whose firm is now under investigation for insider trading 
involving a pharmaceutical company that our doctor friend's involved in that was about to launch a new drug that did not get past the trial stage. He, the doctor was involved in that whole process. Apparently, he let it slip one night to our investor, to our trader friend. And then did insider trading. And is now, uh, basically, his firm is trying to clear the board. Basically trying to wipe this investigation under the rug. And eliminate all loose ends. The loose ends being this doctor. So they poisoned him. So now we're working up the ladder of this investment firm, of this trading firm. And we get the guy who the doctor's been talking to, who the doctor let slip this information to. We get this great sequence on the back of the car where the the doctor guy's just pointing a gun at him and just like shooting him over and over again. <laughs> Just in random parts of his body. At one point, he's like, hey, did I mention my eyesight's failing? And then points the gun at his dick. <laughs> it's really, it's really funny. And then the dude's like, okay, 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 okay. And then he tells him about uh, how he gave this information to his boss. And his boss was like, okay, we'll take care of this. Go about your day as normal, blah, 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 blah. We then have this really, really tense moment where our doctor friend just collapses in the back seat, and Reese is like pull over and give him like a shot of adrenaline to keep him up until they take out the boss, and then they just leave the <laughs> the investor dude just in the middle of the road, in the middle of like an abandoned highway. Uh, it's really, really great. But then we get the phenomenal, phenomenal final confrontation when this doctor dude sits down with the boss and is like, Hey, so you killed me. What the hell? I am horribly, 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 horribly paraphrasing this, but you get the point. Like, they have this great conversation that's so well done, so brilliantly handled, so electrifying, and it ends with the realization... That Reese, as a waiter, slipped polonium into the boss's drink. So now the boss is quite literally getting a taste of his own medicine. And after this doctor, this doctor went on a whole thing about how, like, I save lives, but all you care about is money. Blah, 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 blah. And then, like, after this is revealed, the dude's like, you got $9 billion and 24 hours to spend it. <laughs> uh, figure it out. <laughs> like, oh, it's it's great. It's a really, really satisfying conclusion. And then Reese sits with this doctor man as he uh, dies, as he Leaves this mortal coil. But it's a really, really fantastic, uh, unusually meditative for person of interest story. It's really, really brilliant. It's so, so great, and I love everything about it. While all this is happening, we have this titanic subplot going on with Fusco. Where we have uh, the funeral of Beecher. And Beecher goes up to Simmons, his HR superior, and going like, Hey, 
I know this was you. I know you did this. Over the line. I'm taking you down. And then the dude's like, okay. Pusco, you wanna... You wanna just cross the line against HR and say you're turning against HR completely? Okay, we can play that game. Uh, how about... I have one of our guys that you helped put in prison. How about I have one of them flip on you and say that you killed some people, including Stills. Man in the suit killed Stills, but that doesn't matter. Uh, Why don't I just unleash your dirty cop past on you and just let IA go after your ass? How about that? And that is exactly what he does. So now we get Fusco fairly viciously getting interrogated by IA. I'm gonna be honest. Like I, I get this guy has a job to do. I guess he's going. I, I get that he's going after a dirty cop, and that's all he knows. That's all the perspective he has. But my God. This guy interrogating Fusco is kind of a douchebag. He is really, really vicious in how he goes after this man. And Carter the entire time is trying to figure out what this is all about. Like, what uh, Fusco is in for. And, like, why IA is up his ass. Uh, We get Carter demanding that Finch do the whole phone cloning thing on... The interrogator. So she can hear everything that's happening with the interrogation. And we have this cop basically going through his entire uh, dirty cop history. The entire time we get flashbacks uh, as to how Fusco became a dirty cop. How Fusco became... How Fusco went down this rabbit hole. And it's a really heartbreaking story. Like, literally... Literally what Fusco ended up doing. It wasn't like Fusco rubbing his hands together going, Ha ha ha, I'm gonna be a dirty cop. It was a cop friend offered him his home after his wife divorced him. uh, After he got kicked out of his own home. This guy helped him get off his feet. Or helped him get back on his feet rather. And then the cop was like, hey, remember when I helped you? How about you do me a favor and cover up my uh, my dirty activities? How about you do me a favor and uh, cover up this homicide that I accidentally... Uh, Uh, That I accidentally ended up being involved in. How about you do me a favor and shoot this person for me? And like just little by little by little by little by little by little by little. Fusco just kept justifying and justifying and justifying and justifying and justifying to himself. Like these little steps. Uh, And even has this great monologue while talking to Carter. Like you start out thinking uh, no one's going to miss this drug dealer's money. And then... No one's going to miss this drug dealer. And then more and more and more until you come out the other side and you're a monster who just, like, randomly kills an innocent person 
uh, without even thinking about it. Literally a thing we see Fusco do and then see the immediate remorse. But we see how Fusco slowly wormed his way without even realizing it into becoming a dirty cop. And it is really, really gut-wrenching. It's a really, really spectacular flashback arc. But we got this IA guy going like, Where'd you bury stills? Where'd you bury stills? Where'd you bury stills? Uh, they have a general location, but not an actual place. They have a general, like, stretch of land, but not an exact place. And then eventually we have Fusco revealing to Carter that he used to be a dirty cop. And, like, this is a great character moment for Carter, because Carter... Remember, she started out this series with very black and white morals. With very good guy, bad guy, there is a fine line... You cross it, you bad. You don't, you good. Like, the law is the law. There's no other nuance in there. Like, her, she had a light switch moral code before the events of the series. And at the early episodes of this series. And she still maintained that. After working with Reese and Finch, even after working with Reese and Finch, like, she added the addendum of, okay, these guys break law, but they break law for good reason. Now, like, she has to... She has to re-examine her own moral code of, like, wait a minute, this man that I've been working with for over a year now... Who has been nothing but a good guy. Who has done nothing but good things. Who has been nothing but... Like... Who has done nothing but be virtuous and try to do the right thing that entire time I've known him. That guy used to be a dirty cop and used to do all these terrible things. But dirty cops bad. And I thought, like, all dirty cops were, like, mustache-twirling, rubbing hands-together villains. So how is this guy a dirty cop? And how do I protect this good man without condoning his terrible actions before then? Like, this is a very retrospective moment for Carter. You see Carter kind of re-examine, like, well, okay... Is this black and white, or are there shades of gray here? Is there a middle ground? Is there a an extra context that I've been ignoring this entire time? Maybe not excusing the Simmonses or Quinns of the world, but like... I mean, this guy... Like, is clearly trying to make up for what he did. So, does he deserve to be absolutely condemned? Like, Jesus Christ, this is like good place level philosophy lesson right here. Oh god, I really need to do a season on the good place. That would be, that would be such a good discussion. Oh my god, like, it's, it's done. I can talk about it now on this show. So, like, oh my god, maybe that'll happen. Maybe that'll happen at some point. We can only hope. Uh... I digress. Point is, 
Like, we have this great, and, and very subtly crafted. Like, there's no monologue of Carter going, I used to think this, but now I think this. Like, there's no, like, Oscar Beatty, or, wait, this is television. There's no Emmy Beatty <laughs> monologue like this. This is all happening, like, under the surface. This is all very understated. Uh, it's mostly, honestly, done through Taraja P. Henson's brilliant performance. And Kevin Chapman, by the way. Holy crap, the unsung hero of this series, Kevin Chapman, who is so brilliant as Fosco. Holy crap, he kills it in this episode. That might be a bad, uh, that might be a bad choice of words, but you know what I mean. And eventually this culminates in the IA people finding where Fosco, where, well, the man in the suit, finding where the body was hidden. And then the body was moved. The body's just not there. And so, there's nothing tying Fosco to be a, being a dirty cop. Uh, Finch pulls some strings with Elias and gets, uh, gets the informant to recant his original statement. So, Fusco is now entirely off the hook. Fusco is totally in the clear. And then it is revealed that, like, Carter moved the body with Bear's help. Uh, like, Carter's got, like, Bear in tow, and Bear's just, like, tracking dirt everywhere. And, like, it's very heavily implied it was Carter that moved this body. It was Carter that moved uh, Detective Stills' body, thereby... Getting Fusco off of this uh, of this dirty cop murder charge. Damn, what a payoff to all of this Fusco stuff, and and then none of this is even. We haven't even talked about the ending and the implications of it. Like, so this new number, this is yet another time when they were too late to save someone. It started with Shemansky. Then Beecher, and now this doctor guy. Numbers are coming later and later and later and later. Giving recent Finch less and less and less and less time to act, which means something's wrong with the machine. Something's very, 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 very wrong. Like, cataclysmically wrong. And the final shot of this episode is that POV of the machine where its system is entirely corrupted and in order to save itself, it has shut down all primary functions. Okay, oh my god, um, that's a bajri, that's a thing, that exists, that's a, that's a thing that just happened. So we only got two episodes left in this season. Get ready for some shit, just gonna say that, get ready for some shit. Anyway... 
Uh, if you like this, favorite the podcast, anchor.fm slash TV archives, so that you can be here every single Monday through Friday as I go through every single episode of this and other shows. And you can find it on pretty much whatever podcast or app you prefer. Feel free to call in as well. It's simple as just to push up a button on the Anchor app. I'll play those on the show from time to time if you feel so inclined to send those in. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram, TomTom4468, and support the show. Patreon.com slash Thomas Clark pledges a dollar a month. I appreciate everything I get through there. Uh, if you become a patron, you can also get access to the Television Archive Supplemental, which I will put up there once every month. Or, if that's not work for you, you can also support the show directly via Anchor. Uh, I appreciate that as well. Uh, tomorrow we will be discussing Season 2, Episode 21. Talk to you then.